It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Sunday, June 13th, as we look to recap UFC 263 Adesanya versus Vittori 2, which took place yesterday on Saturday, June 12th at the Gia River Arena in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, as always, as always, I say it every time, but great to be back with you guys. Uh, very, very eventful pay-per-view, um, which oftentimes is redundant. Most pay-per-views are, are pretty awesome. Uh, you know, they're a pay-per-view for a reason, but, uh, you know, whether it was good, bad, not really indifferent, just good or bad, there was a lot of, a lot of shit that happened. Uh, during this pay-per-view from the uh, uh, thrilling to the grotesque. I mean, it really had it all. I mean, really, you know, all you... Because I know know everybody tuning in legally purchases pay-per-views because you'd have to be some sort of deranged scumbag not to pay for pay-per-views. So, you know, it was well worth the $69 or whatever the fuck a pay-per-view costs. Uh, Might even be $89. I don't know. I'd have to check my. I'd have to check my uh, my bills. I don't. I don't worry about money, but uh, I'd have to check my my bills because you know I'm I'm not I'm not a deranged scumbag. Um, but yeah, very very exciting. Uh, you know, as always, we'll get to some housekeeping before we uh, get into it. Um, you know, next Saturday will be the one year. Uh, no, three year. Excuse me. Keep getting that mixed up. Three year anniversary of the creation of North Star Sports. And uh, we will have the one-year anniversary of the main card showdown uh, early next month. We have uh, a lot of big plans, a lot of big plans for the main card showdown. So, you know, it'll be uh, interesting times. Uh, Speaking of the main card showdown, we had NSS 43 over the weekend. Uh, Dominant win by the mailman over the viral squirrel sensation Moobs. Uh, He was undefeated coming into it. He left with an L. Uh... I won by six points, but I didn't get the knockout. I had a 10-7 in round four and a 10-7 in round five, so uh, the the biggest decision you could possibly win without making it a uh, a knockout. Uh, we had Drew. Unfortunate for Drew. He lost to uh, Gary Gooseman Storman. Gary Gooseman, some people call him. Uh, 48-47. He was leading right up until the end, and, and Gooseman just kind of... He just kind of came, uh, you know, marauding down the uh, the home stretch. So, you know, Drew was getting really close to uh, being 500. I think, I think at one point, because now he's lost two in a row. At one point, I think he was one win away from being 500, and now he's he's uh, three losses under 500. And uh, you know, like I like I told him the last time I, I saw him, and I'm sure I'm sure he's tuning into this. You know, every loss he has. You know, it's two more. It's two more wins to get above where you were. You know, so I, I I love it. I love seeing this happen. I mean, it's just, you know, Gooseman's tough. He's tough. You know, he started off 0-2, but you know now he's on a three-fight winning streak. And you know, I mean, he beat Drew, who just you know battled for the title twice in a row. So I mean, it's probably 
It's probably uh, Gooseman getting a title shot uh, at NSS 44. We also had wins by Quincy over Peyton. Uh, that one was a, was a little bit shocking. Peyton just had really bad picks. Uh, and, and Quincy, the dab man, didn't really have good picks either, but they were just slightly better. So I think that's three losses in a row for uh, Peyton and you know, what What could have been? I mean, that guy should have had a title shot, but, you know, he didn't get his picks in. Uh, Francis beat Jerry. Captain beat Baby Gramps. Nobody cares about those bums. But, uh, yeah, a lot of fun stuff going on in the world of the main card showdown. Uh, obviously, we uh, we have uh, updated rankings at northstarsports.media, which, obviously, I'll get into as, uh, you know, it, it becomes more pertinent uh, as we go fight by fight. Um, but you always can check those out. I'm sure we'll plug that a couple of more times before the uh, the show is over. But uh, with that, I guess we'll hop right into it. So obviously, uh, you know, very big main event here. We had Israel Adesanya defeating Marvin Vittori via unanimous decision. Um, interesting fight. You know, a lot of people said the fight wasn't even close. It was a blowout. I disagree. Some people were saying it's closer than than you thought, certainly. If I understand correctly, I think Marvin Vittori thought he won this fight. That is fucking delusional. I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm somewhere in the middle. It was not a dominant decision by Adesanya, but it was a pretty good win. I mean, you know, I, I don't think he was in danger of losing the fight, but, you know, dominant, you know, I don't know about that. Now, whether or not... See, because it's interesting, right? Because he won 50-45, and I think that's probably how I would score that fight. I probably would score all five rounds for Izzy. Maybe you give one to Vittori, but I struggle to think of an individual round I would give to Vittori. There are a couple of ones that are a little bit closer where he landed some takedowns, but even then, it's probably a straight a straight wash for Izzy. But there's 50-44, or 50-45s, and then there's 50-45s, if you get what I'm saying. Like, uh, you could just barely win all five rounds and still win 50-45 because somebody has to win the round, but it was very close each round, or you could just decisively win, uh, and, you know, because dominant would, dominant, there would have to be a 10-8 in there, you know, if you, if you win 10-9 every single round, is that really dominant? Well, you know, I, I guess it's up to your discretion, but the way I see it, not, not really a dominant victory, but he never was in any danger. Um, I don't know. Marvin landed a, a few more takes takedowns than, than I thought he would. Um, but really rounds might have started late in round three, but certainly rounds four and rounds five. He was stalling. He was gassed. He was a very big guy for middleweight, and uh, just didn't really have an answer for uh, for Izzy. That one round where he it might have been the third round or where where he took him down right away. You know that that was interesting. Almost you know. Well, almost, but, you know, potentially could have got him with a rear naked choke uh, midway through the fight. But, um, yeah, I, I really don't see anybody beating beating Israel Adesanya anytime soon, at least at middleweight. Uh, he's just perfectly built for middleweight. You know, when I look at Israel Adesanya, obviously we saw how it went with him going up to 205, really 200 pounds because he didn't even fill out that much. You know, I... I well, I'm kind of bouncing all over the place here, but, you know, Gilbert Melendez was, was talking about, you know, um, Izzy going back up to 205, or the idea of Izzy going back up to 205, and was talking about how really that's, you know, that's like a year-long commitment. You can't just, you can technically go up in a weight class and not cut weight, but Izzy doesn't really cut weight for 185, so 
he, he didn't have that much time to go up to 205 and bulk up. I don't think he bulked up at all, to be honest with you. You know, that's a, a long-term deal. You know, that's what we're seeing John Jones do. There's a reason why John Jones has not uh, fought at heavyweight yet. He is... And there's a reason why when John Jones goes up to heavyweight, he will beat Francis Ngannou because he's doing it the right way. He's he's taking his time. It's not something you can rush. Um, like I was going to say, I draw a lot of comparisons uh, from John Jones size-wise as I do to uh, Izzy, where John Jones is perfectly made for 205. There's there's not a fighter who's ever existed who is who was made more perfectly for 205, six foot four, 84 inch reach, just fucking massive. But he can make the weight and he can make the weight easily and he can make the weight without draining himself. You know, probably who knows? Well, I don't want to speculate as to how much he cuts, but it, maybe he cuts fucking 15, 20 pounds. He, he probably doesn't even cut that much. And at, at 205, that's nothing. Um, Izzy. He's too small for for 205 without some serious long-term bulking. Oh, fuck, who knows? Maybe he could make 170. I don't fucking know. I mean, he comes in at 183, uh, but probably too big for, for welterweight. But he's perfectly made for middleweight. I mean, this guy is going to be really fucking hard to, to, to beat. The one thing that kind of stood out, and, and it impacted Marvin, but it didn't impact him as much as I thought he would, but I've seen this with Izzy in his last couple of middleweight fights you know, the, the, the Costa fight and the Vittori fight, people need to check these fucking Izzy leg kicks. I mean, that I don't know what the fuck these people are doing. He, he might have landed 30, 35 leg kicks on Marvin Vittori, and most of them were to the calf. I don't even really, I don't even know if he targeted the thigh at all. And you you, you have to check those fucking kicks. I mean, there's, there's no way around it, you know. Kind of spinning it a little bit forward to his uh, presumptive fight, uh, presumptive next fight with Robert Whitaker. You gotta check these fucking leg kicks, man. If you know, three or four of them, and your wheels are are shot. You know what I mean. And Marvin's a tough guy, so it took a lot more than that to take away his wheels. And you could argue maybe they never went away, but they certainly got diminished. And uh, it it's a two way street. It's a two way street with with Izzy, because he's got those John Jones calves. He's got really small calves. So if somebody, and easier said than done, of course because uh, he's got insane reach and he's the best middleweight on the planet. But, you know, if you could land three or four leg kicks on Izzy, his calves are not going to be built to take a shit ton of leg kicks. They're they're tiny. So, and even if you check them, I mean, that's going to hurt Izzy if you check those leg kicks. And Marvin did not check a, a single one, wasn't even remotely interested. You know, kind of had a, a block-headed uh, approach to this one, kind of a brute brute strength approach, but Izzy's deceptively strong. I mean, you saw that in some of the clinch uh, exchanges. Uh, you know, Marvin just, um, I don't know, he, he just looked a, a little labored, and, and certainly as the fight went on, you know, you, you gotta know that you're down. I mean, there's no fucking way, and maybe that's on Rafael Cordero a little bit, although he was trying to pump him up, but I would have liked for him, and whatever, whatever, he knows what's best for, for Marvin and how to talk to him, but, like, dude, you're down fucking four rounds to nothing, like, can you just let your hands go in, in, in round five, could you just let your hand go, hands go, you know, we talk about it on the, on the preview show, you're never, and, and Marvin fell into this trap so often, 
So did Costa. So did fucking Brunson. So did everybody. You're never going to beat Israel, at least at middleweight. I know he lost at 205. But at least at middleweight, you're never going to beat Israel Adesanya at range. That's just, it doesn't even compute in my head that you could outstrike Izzy at range. You have to get in. You have to get close. And Marvin's a big guy who's well-rounded, who does have... I mean, he's not exactly a finisher, but he does kind of have heavy hands a little bit. You know what I mean? And, like, you have to clinch him up. You have to keep him away from the cage. You just have to get inside on him. I mean, 82-inch 80, arms or whatever he has, they don't really matter when you're when you're right in front of, right in front of him. So... You know, I just thought uh, it wasn't uh, the smartest game plan from um, Marvin Vittori, and, you know, the execution definitely was uh, lacking, understandably. But, uh, yeah, you know, he certainly lost the first fight. It was close. Uh, I I had Izzy winning two rounds to nothing, and, you know, I think he blanked him on this one. I think he won every every round, although some were a little closer than others, obviously, but none that I would give to, um, to Marvin. Uh, we do have updated rankings, like I uh, had alluded to, and um, let me see here. I'm gonna pull it up on the uh, greatest website uh, of all time, known as Main uh, Jesus uh, NorthstarSports.media. Uh, Marvin only slips a spot, so he goes from three to four. I don't really penalize people for losing that much. Uh, I, I just normally reward people more for winning, so i think that's an appropriate spot and he's ahead of hermanson who he beat so you know that uh that kind of makes sense all right moving on here to the co-main event uh we had brandon moreno winning via submission uh by rear naked choke on davison figueredo figueredo and um yeah not uh not as good as the first fight there I'm, i'm sure we'll figure this out over the next week but something was really wrong with Davison I, I don't know what it was um, if I had to speculate probably the weight cut uh, it had to be something health health wise he just did not look himself at all I don't know what it was you know I, I said on the preview show that Davis, Davison is kind of like a, a mini UL Romero except a, a lot more active where he has like 10 bursts around you know where he just you know, throws caution to the wind, throws at a hundred percent, and you know, throws a flurry and and sees, you know, sees if he can get anything going with that flurry. And we didn't see that at all. He looked kind of tentative. He was throwing winning winging shots. He didn't look very quick. He actually looked very slow. And uh, I, I don't I don't know what it was. He he really I don't want to take anything away from Moreno necessarily, but that's. This is a very stark contrast in in the Davison that we have seen, you know, just fucking a year ago in the Benavidez fights. I mean, you look at Davison in those two Benavidez fights, which basically played out the same. Just him dropping him and beating the shit out of him and getting a finish first time by knockout, second time by a submission. I mean, it does. It, it, it's something's really wrong with Davison. Something's wrong with Davison. Um, now I don't know if he'll be he'll be presented with the trilogy. Uh, we all know Davison won the first fight. I don't think it should have even gone to a draw. I think Davison probably won four rounds to one. You take away the point deduction for the illegal shot, and Davison wins. Well, not forty-eight, forty-seven, because there'd be a point deduction. So fucking forty-seven, forty-six, or whatever. 
but I, I think he should have won either way. I don't even think it should have gone to a draw. So in my mind, they're 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 one apiece. You know, it's whatever. You can score it however you want, but if you watched that fight, you know for a fact Davison won that fight. You know, the first one was a, a banger. It was a fight of the year contender. This one a little lackluster. If I had to bet. Davison probably doesn't get the immediate rematch this time. I think uh, they, they probably move Moreno on to somebody else. Uh, you know, this fight left a lot to be desired. And, you know, quite honestly, I think uh, Davison should uh, seriously consider a move up to 135. He wouldn't really be that small at 135. You know, he's, he's pretty big at 125. He's five foot five, So, you know, he, he would be on the sh- shorter end a little bit. But, you know, tall at bantamweight is, you know, 5'8", five, 5'9". And, and Davison has such a, you know, move, well, when he's functioning properly, has such a, a speedy movement-based uh, style. He's very good at, at managing range that, uh, you know, I think he could do very well at Bantamweight, you know, not um, not depleting himself. I just think I just think he depleted himself too much. I mean, I, I don't know what it is weighing in a minute before, you know, they shut down, but uh, they, they, there's just something fishy with Davison. And then for Brandon Moreno, um, you know, good for him. First ever Mexican-born UFC champion. Uh, kind of kind of shocking that's never happened before. Uh, yeah, that's, I guess that's kind of shocking. I mean, uh, when, when you think of uh, combat sports, you know, you definitely think of Mexico. Uh, more so on the boxing side, obviously, than the MMA side, but... Well, I'm not even gonna say I'm not even gonna say ex- Mexican MMA is growing because it's not really. I mean, who are who are new Mexican fighters we've had? You know, we've we've had Moreno for a little bit. We've had um, uh, Grasso for a little bit. You know, I th- think we cut Marco Polo Reyes, but uh, yeah, it's not. But you know, maybe this will uh, will grow it. I don't know if the UFC has a PI in Mexico, but uh, you know, that would be a pretty good idea now that uh, now that they have a uh, Mexican-born champion. And uh, thankfully, the fight took place in Glendale, Arizona, and thankfully, Brandon Moreno won because uh, knowing uh, knowing how Mexican fans uh, can get sometimes, you know, the UFC knows better than anybody how, uh, you know, if, if Mexican fans are uh, not happy, how they uh, react, and that's all I'm going to say about that. You know, we can, we can go back to the Yair and uh, uh, Jeremy Stevens fight to, uh, to see how that plays out. Um, moving on here to the uh, featured bout, the only bout in UFC history to not be a uh, main event or a title fight to go five rounds, and uh, it indeed went five rounds between Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz. Edwards winning via unanimous decision. Uh, they scored it 49-46. I, I agree. He won the first four rounds. Nate Diaz won the, the final round. Um very, very good win from from Leon. You know, the, this guy has been a very unlucky guy. Uh, we did move him up a spot from two to three. Diaz doesn't move at all because he's not even in the rankings because he's, well, I'll get to Nate in a minute. But, um, yeah, very good performance. Uh, you know, Nate's uh, known for his cardio. He's known for having a, a, a head full of fucking broken cinder blocks. You know, he's got nothing going on between the, the ears. So he can, he's a glutton for, for punishment. You know, he, he's a dummy. He'll sit there and get cracked in the head a million times. So, you know, props to Leon Edwards for having the cardio to, to hit him in his square-shaped head a million times. Uh, you know, stayed very composed. Nate was acting like a fucking clown, which, you know, is, is on point. 
And uh, I agree with Dana. I think Colby Covington is next in line, but this is this is what Leon's been searching for. You know, you, you can't win any more fights in the UFC, you know, than Leon Edwards. This dude has won a million fights in the UFC. Winning fights doesn't matter to Leon, and it doesn't matter to the UFC. You know, if winning fights mattered, Leon Edwards would, you know, have had a title shot by now. You know, you have to fight that name guy. And for whatever reason, fuck knows why, but Nate Diaz has a big name. So, you know, this is the biggest win of Leon Edwards' career. You know, the fight did get pretty interesting in that fifth round, not going to lie. Uh, you know, the the that is a pretty funny gif, seeing the Stockton slap and then the overhand left and Leon just wobbling. I mean, he, Nate really had him hurt, but, you know, props to Leon just staying composed. But holy shit, that was an interesting, just when you think it's over. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not, but uh, held on for the win. Good for Leon. And then for Nate Diaz, I don't like Nate Diaz. I'm going to say that right now. I don't like Nate, Nate Diaz. I don't understand the appeal, and I don't like his fans. I don't like his fans at all. I think they're very annoying. Um, they're just degenerate weed smokers. Not that I, I even care, but it's just it's people whose personality is just 100% smoking weed. Like I, I don't care if people smoke weed. That do whatever you want, but like his fans are just gross. They're dirty. They need to take showers. And um, I don't. This guy's a clown. Just going in there, uh, you know. And whatever he can do, whatever he wants. I don't like. I'm not sitting here as a purist. Uh, of the sport, you know, being like, oh, th- now that's not how you fight. I don't fucking care. Walk, walk forward with your chin held high in the air and close your eyes and get knocked out. I don't fucking care. Do whatever the fuck you want. You know what I mean? It's your career. It's you know, you're the one that's gonna have to suffer the 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 consequences or reap the the rewards. But it, Leon Edwards should have socked him in the head when he was facing sideways. He's lucky. Leon's a nice guy. I I, I tweeted out. He, he should have just Tyron Woodley overhand right sent him because Leon does have power like he was hitting Nate Diaz now Diaz is pretty hard to get knocked out he's only ever been TKO'd once but you know he knocked out Seth Pachinski in, in eight seconds he should have just blitzed in and just sent his chin to the moon um, and then Nate Nate Diaz th- this guy I don't I almost, I don't even want to say it, I almost hesitate to make fun of the guy because th- there might be something mentally wrong with him. Um, but just, he could have beat Leon Edwards. He could have knocked him out in that fifth round. He hits him with that powerful overhand right and then just points and laughs and lets him recover for five seconds before he even walks in. Like, what a fucking idiot. What the fuck are you doing? Like, He's, he's just in there to rack up as many losses as possible. This dude's a 500 fighter. He's got a baker's dozen losses. Like, what are you what are you doing? He's just a complete clown. Like, he could... Leon was pretty fucking wobbly. And he hit him really hard and just sat there and admired his his work. But, you know... Like 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 I tweeted out, and I, pre- I predicted this outcome. I predicted Leon would dominate him. But, you know... Nate Diaz landed a Stockton slap, so Nate Diaz wins. You know, Nate Diaz could lose every single round 10-7, but, you know, if he lands a Stockton slap, you know, then then he wins. That's how dumb his fans are. They're, they're like those little, like, uh, those little guppies that you, that you get from, like, an aquarium. Like, they're, they're, they're that level of intelligence. And, um... I, I, it's even annoying too. Like I get these alerts on on the the ESPN app on my phone, talking about like, oh shit, you gotta see this Nate Diaz moment, and oh that was a, 
Nate Diaz made it close at the end, and it's like, Leon Edwards won the fight, you fucking idiots. What are we talking about? Like, you're talking about a loser. He lost. Like, oh, if, 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 uh, you know, that fight continued, or like Nate Diaz, and, and I don't expect Nate to say anything coherent ever, because this dude is just one of the dumbest people in MMA, but talking about like, oh, if that was in the streets, I would have won the fight. No, you fucking wouldn't have, you dummy. First of all, it's not in the streets, so you didn't win, and second of all, even if you did that in the streets, if you don't follow up and engage and finish the job, then you didn't win, you fucking dummy. People talking about, oh, if this was a 10-round fight, Nate Diaz would win. If this is if this was a fight to, to the death, if there was no time limit, limit, Nate Diaz would win. Thank fuck there's a time limit. Thank fuck that none of that matters or is even remotely relevant. Well, you know, if this was a fight to the death, Nate Diaz would have won. Yeah, but it's fucking not. It's a fucking fight in a cage in front of a commission, in front of referees with a agreed-upon time limit. So, okay, that's cool. If Leon Edwards had a gun, he would win that fight because he'd pull out a gun and shoot Nate Diaz in the chest. Okay, like, that's a cool hypothetical. Like, it's completely fucking irrelevant. Yeah, if uh, Leon Edwards was a uh, 7'5 uh, and, and weighed... 300 pounds, then he would knock Nate Diaz out in, in one punch, but it's, that's just a hypothetical, so, you know, that's how dumb their fans are, is that they have to fucking create scenarios in their head for Nate Diaz to win, and I hear people talking about how great of a fighter Nate, Nate Diaz is, and I just want to, I just want to say, this dude is the most overrated fighter in UFC history, this dude's done nothing of significance, except get beat up on the biggest stage, his best win ever, and I'm going to go through this because uh, this is a real point of contention because I, I see people talking wild on Twitter. His best win is over a featherweight who fought two weight classes above his fucking weight class. Class. So, okay, am I supposed to be impressed that you beat a 145-pounder at 170 pounds? Like, that's not impressive. His win over Conor McGregor is not impressive. I don't care what anybody says. Like, Connor was the better fighter, but weight classes exist for a reason. Like, okay, that's like Francis Ngannou knocking out Kelvin Gastelum. Like, fucking congratulations. Good for you, buddy. That's the literally analogous to, to this fucking Nate Diaz thing. Okay, then let's look for his next best win. Uh, he has a win over Anthony Pettis, who got cut the following fight at the end of his fucking career, who just got beat by Clay Collard, so a former champion, good for you, but a washed-up former champion, a win over Gray Maynard, okay, a win over Jim Miller, okay, I mean, Jim Jim Miller has a lot of wins in the UFC, a lot of them are over bottom-of-the-barrel competition, like, he's just sticking around collecting a paycheck and collecting, you know, bottom-of-the-bargain-bin wins, a win over Donald Cerrone before he was Donald Cerrone, and Donald was never even whatever. He's overhyped as well, in my opinion. And then, like, a win over Michael Johnson? Am I supposed to think that's impressive? Am I supposed to think he's one of the best fighters in UFC history? No. His, he, he smokes weed, and he acts like a fucking idiot gangster, and people find that amusing, I guess. And he says stupid stuff, and acts like an idiot. I don't, like, okay, this guy, when it comes down to the X's and O's, he's not that good of a fighter. He has very good cardio, I gave him that, he's got great cardio, and then 
he has nothing in his head. His head is just devoid. It's just rusty nails in his head. So he can get punched in the head a million times and, you know, nothing happens because you couldn't possibly do brain damage to something that doesn't have a brain. So, okay. Like, you luck into, he lucks into wins because he's a glutton for, for punishment and will just get his ass beat for fucking five rounds and, you know, pull off a, a victory. I'm not impressed in the slightest at, at Nate Diaz. I don't care if people think that's a hot sports take or not. It's just a fucking fact. Dude's got a lot of, lo- he's got a lot of great losses, I'll tell you that much. You know, losing to Leon Edwards and Masvidal and McGregor and RDA and Josh Thompson and Benson Henderson and Rory McDonald and Dong Yun Kim and Gray Maynard and Joe Stevenson and Clay Guida. He's got a lot of great losses. Listen, I'll give it, I'll give him that. He's got a lot of great losses, but you know, he's uh, not a good fighter. So I don't know who needs to hear that, but it's just a fucking fact. All right. Following that, uh, you know, little clarification, uh, we have a, uh, oh, let's see here. Uh, we had a, a win by Bilal Muhammad. I'll try to go a little quicker on some of these, but we had a, a win from Bilal Muhammad over Damian Maya. Uh, solid win for Bilal Muhammad. You know, he had the right, uh, right strategy. Stuffed a lot of those takedowns. You know, got took down a couple, taken down a couple of times early on. Uh, but then, you know, Damien really at this point just has a single leg, and uh, once you stuff that, it's just not a very interesting fight. Not that any of his fights were ever that interesting, but you have to respect the uh, you know BJJ skills of him, and you know it's a perfectly valid way to fight in MMA. But it's not exactly the most interesting, that's for sure, and. Um, I don't know if that should be his final fight. Maybe you give him, uh, maybe you cherry pick a nice fight for him to retire on. But uh, that very well could be his last fight. It'd be fitting because, you know, I mean, just think about how long this guy's been in the the rankings, whether at middleweight or welterweight. I mean, dude fought Damian Maia or um, Anderson Silva in 2008 for the title, and he's still out here, you know, fighting ranked opponents. But, uh, you know, for, for Bilal, uh, you know, it's, that's the win he needed. That's the win, sort of the win he hoped he was going to get against uh, Leon Edwards. Now, he, he would have got worked over by Leon Edwards if that fight had continued. But, uh, you know, we moved him up a, a few spots. So, you know, he's sitting at uh, number eight. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, that's a very nice win. I, I really question how far he can go in the welterweight division. Uh, you know, for a lot of the reasons I said in the preview show, just like, uh, not exactly excelling in one area, being well-rounded, but, um, you know, really looking labored, uh, when he fights certainly didn't look, uh, look like that against Damian Maya, but obviously that's a very old fighter and a fighter who is a specialist, but, um, you know, that's a, yeah, you could call that a signature win for Bilal Muhammad at at this point in his career. And, you know, we'll see if he uh, ends up getting any more. All right, moving on. We had a round one finish via an arm injury uh, from Paul Craig on Jamal Hill. Just uh, an impressive win from Paul Craig. I mean, just a really stupid strategy from Jamal Hill to even attempt to engage on the ground with Paul Craig. Paul Craig, you know, if Damian Maya retires, Paul Craig might be the best ground fighter in, or the most dangerous ground fighter in the UFC. I mean, this this guy is at another fucking level. I mean, there, there's two things that Paul Craig does, okay? Uh, wins via submission and fights every single light heavyweight prospect. 
that's just what he's here for. He's here to, he's here to, what did he say? Tap, snap, or make people take a nap or lose uh, via knockout. I mean, those are really the two Paul Craig um, outcomes. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, pointing it out earlier, I mean, every single, I mean, Tyson Pedro, Khalil Roundtree, Jimmy Crute, Ankalaev, Manyfield, and now Jamal Hill. I mean, anytime the UFC has an interesting light heavyweight prospect, they put him up against Paul Craig. And now he's on a three-fight winning streak. He's he's 4-0-1 in his last five. And, you know, I I think he's earned something pretty big. I mean, he's been in the UFC for, uh, you know, five years at this point. And, you know, showing uh, more consistency. I think his striking has improved, but I don't think that's ever going to be his strong suit. But uh, I think Jamal Hill got up one time. But I said on the preview show, if Paul Craig grabs him, the fight's over. Right then and there. And it it almost was on the second attempt. Um, So... It's it's good to know that uh, it was not a, a broken arm. It was a dislocated elbow, and that he'll be fine. Because I was thinking, you know, well, say goodbye to your next 12 months. Like, have fun with rehab. But good to know that uh, he's not going to be out for an extended period of time. Because I do think Jamal Hill is uh, a very interesting prospect uh, at 205. But you know, I, I don't know who it is for Paul Craig. If um, I'm trying to think of who doesn't have a dance partner. Anthony Smith might be a little too much. I don't know if they'd go that high, but I like the idea of giving him a pretty significant jump up because he's ne- he, he's been in the rankings for a little bit, but he's never really had a big fight. He's never really fought somebody significantly higher in, in the rankings. Um, so I think Ryan Spann is supposed to fight Johnny Walker... I'm looking at Nikita Krylov at number nine. Ankalaev would be interesting at number eight, uh, and I'm sure Ankalaev would have a tiny bit of interest in that fight just because uh, he lost to Paul Craig the first time, but given he's four spots ahead of him in, in the rankings, I don't know if he wants to be looking down in the rankings. I think he probably wants to be looking up in the rankings. But, uh, you know, I, I think I, I really want to see a serious test for Paul Craig in, in this current form because... Man, if he and a lot of those guys are strikers too, so you know if he takes Ryan Span or Walker or Krilov or Ankalaev to the ground, yeah, he might fucking rip their knee in half. I mean, he's he's dangerous, man. All right, moving on here to the prelim headliner as uh, my alarm goes off there. Uh, we had a unanimous decision victory for Brad Riddell over Drew Dober. Um, I do want to pull up uh, one of my favorite websites, MMA Decisions, because I would like to see what uh, some of the esteemed members of the uh, MMA media have to say about this fight. Um, it was a very close fight. Honestly, I would probably, I probably would have scored that a draw. I really probably would have scored that a draw. I think I would have. Oh, let's see. I probably would have given the first now no, wait a minute I really got to think about how I would have scored this because I, I really felt there was a 10-10 in that round in one of those rounds and then one of the rounds Riddell won and one of the one of the rounds Dober won I think you have to give the first round a Dober I think I would give the second round uh, a 10-10 and then uh, a 10-9 bordering on a 10-8 but I wouldn't go that far 
because Dober did have moments in round three. I really think that was a draw, man. That was such a good fight. Um, if I had to pick a winner, if I absolutely had to pick a winner, I probably would have picked Drew Dober. Um, I, I, I believe that um, Riddell outstruck him. I'll see if I can find the... Uh, the statistics, but I believe he outstruck him. But I would say that Dober had uh, the bigger moments. Um, you know, I think he hurt Rid- certainly early in the fight. I think he hurt him more, and then Riddell started to pick up some steam. But you know, very close fight. I don't think you can really. Uh, okay, so he did outstrike him a little more than uh, I thought. Outstruck him by about uh, 35 strikes. But um, I, I, I still think that. Uh, um, Dober had the uh, the bigger moments, uh, you know, landed a couple of takedowns, but really, you can't really argue. You know, if somebody wanted to say Riddell won, uh, I wouldn't argue too much. Just a, a banger, a banger of the fight, and, you know, obviously you can expect that uh, with any ranked fighters in the lightweight division. So Riddell enters the top 15. We put him at 14. We dropped Dober down a spot from 14 to 15, and Tiago Moises goes from 15 to un ranked so that was a hell of a way to uh uh well not open up because it wasn't on the main card but kind of get everybody ready for the main card uh moving on we had a unanimous decision victory for eric anders over darren stewart uh that's correct uh i don't really want to talk about that fight that much there wasn't anything interesting anders won the fight he had pretty heavy top pressure uh clinched up a lot uh, I think he probably could have finished him at the end of the fight, but, um, you know, started to pound on him a little bit too late. But uh, nice to kind of close out that uh, home and home there between uh, Anders and Stewart. Uh, we had a split decision victory for Lauren Murphy over Joanne Calderwood. Uh, I think that was correct. I don't really think it was a split decision, uh, to be honest. Uh, I think it was two rounds to one for, for Murphy. Uh, I, I think you have to give her a title shot at, at this point. Um, you know, I see a lot of people saying that uh, she would not win against Valentina. Obviously, that goes without saying, but, uh, you know, Valentina's got to fight somebody, and you can't really give title shots based on whether or not you think the person's going to win. It's just, did you earn it or did you not? And, uh, you know, I think Murphy's probably the most consistent flyweight uh, outside of Valentina. I mean, really, just kind of racking up the wins. I think that makes it four in a row. And, um, you know, I, I am intrigued to see to see that fight. I, I definitely would not favor or even pick Murphy to win. But, you know, I, I do think that would be interesting. I mean, she has some nice wrestling skills, durable fighter. Still would pick Valentina to finish her. Excuse me, finish her. But, uh, you know, we, I think we have to see that fight. All right, moving on. Uh, we had a unanimous decision victory for Movzar Evluev over Hakeem Dawadu. Uh, just utter domination. I would have figured the fight would have been a little closer. He just kabibed him for 15 minutes, took him down at will, uh, rode his back, pounded him out, tried to submit him a couple of times. Dawadu really, really had nothing. Really had nothing. Uh, and uh, even Evloev was winning some of the, or at least holding his own in some of the striking exchanges uh, until the third round where he did get cracked. It was pretty funny that he motioned to the crowd that he was okay and then proceeded to, to get cracked a couple of more times. But, uh, you know, that's that guy's a real threat at featherweight. I mean, anytime you see a dominant wrestler in the UFC, you just know automatically... <clears throat> 
you just know automatically that stylistically he is made to beat 80% automatically 80% of the people he faces you know like there, there's just I think it's more pronounced at like heavyweight but there are just like like Curtis Blades like you just know Curtis Blades is gonna win 80% of the, the fights that he's in because people cannot fucking wrestle now he might get knocked out by Ngannou and he did and he might get knocked out by Derek Lewis he's not impervious to knockouts but like you just fucking know that like if you put him up against a striker who you know, is not capable of holding his own wrestling, that it's going to be a long fucking decision loss. And I feel the same way with Evloev. Like, uh, I don't know if I'd favor him against uh, Chikadze or, you know, I don't know, an Edson Barboza or anybody like that. But it's like, damn, you know, if he, if, if he grabs a hold of you, like you're gonna finish the round on your back, and, and he just ha- he just has to do that three times, and and you have no answer, and it's a 15 minute decision victory. So I, I really think that's somebody to look for uh, in the featherweight division. Uh, we moved him up three spots, so we moved him from 15 to 12, Burgos from 12 to 13, Mitchell from 13 to 14, Yusuf from 15 to uh or excuse me from not ranked to 15 so we slide him into the rankings and uh we move uh, ryan hall from 14 to not ranked you know just inactivity uh, i like ryan hall uh, i wouldn't say i wanted to keep him in there because i don't really i don't really factor that in when i do rankings i just try to make him as true as i know how to i don't try to interject you know uh, I mean, I suppose rankings are subjective, but there's, you know, cer- certain methodology that uh, I try to use, and, you know, activity's certainly one of them, so, you know, Ryan Hall, I don't know, kind of waste of a, uh, a career, unfortunately, because nobody has the balls to get in there uh, with him, because they know that he's taking something home uh, if they fight. All right, quickly, quickly go- going through some of these, we had a, a unanimous decision victory for Penny Kianzad over Alexis Davis. Um close back and forth. Davis landed some some good shots. She was game. Penny Kianzad certainly is going to have to improve her striking, which is a little bit concerning because she uh, does come from a boxing background, and she kind of got battered by Alexis Davis. So, I'm, you know, kind of bullish on uh, Penny Kianzad because that was... Uh, I thought she won, but that was definitely not her best performance, and uh, she's known as a striker, so that's uh, less than ideal. Uh, we have a, a seven-second knockout from Terrence McKinney on Matt Frivola. Um, one of the most interesting 15 seconds in UFC history. I mean, knocks him out, clean one-two, and then, I don't know, I'm going to say tears his ACL, celebrating. You know, I guess we'll figure that out uh, in the coming days, but either way, fucks his knee up, set, you know, kind of downplayed it made, it, made it seem like, uh, you know, he's just going to stretch it out. I don't know about that, man. I don't want to be doom and gloom and, you know, what the fuck do I know? But, you know, if if you tear your ACL, if, if you hurt your knee, you can still walk on it. You can still walk on it just, just fine. It's going to hurt, but, uh, you know, and you're not going to have, uh, you know, as much stability as you... But you still have three other ligaments. You still got the MCL, PCL, and LCL. So it's still going to be relatively stable. But when you react that way immediately to a knee injury it makes me think it was a fucking pretty bad one it makes me think that it was a pretty bad one 
Like, you don't react that way if you sprained your knee. You probably don't even react that way if you tear your ACL. If you're a fighter, fighters are tough as shit. So that, that even makes it more concerning because, like, fighters are tough. They're, they're, they'll fight with, you know, a fucking broken orbital and, and shit like that. You know, if it's, if it's any of us civilians, you know, tearing our ACL, we're not going to fucking walk on it. We're going to sit there on the ground until somebody carries us off or, you know, we're going to sit down for a handful of minutes and, or, you know. So when somebody that in a profession that tough reacts that way, I mean, that really makes me think that like, yeah, you probably blew out a couple of ligaments there. Like that's not good at all. Uh, obviously here's hoping it's nothing. I don't, I don't want that guy to be hurt. And, you know, it definitely adds to the story, but you know, that'd be really shitty if you had that awesome of a debut you know, nobody really knew who, who Terrence McKinney was coming into this fight, but they certainly know who he is coming out of it. And, you know, if he had to be sidelined for a year to recover from a knee injury, then it's, then it's just like, damn, man, that, that just sucks, man. Because, you know, when you when you think of a seven-second knockout, you think of huge media exposure going, going uh, you know, viral on the internet, and then a quick turnaround. Because you did seven seconds of work, why don't, you, why don't you come back next month and just try to climb up the ladder, you know, super quickly? Because you don't, you know, you didn't take any damage. So, you know, that's unfortunate. But either way, one hell of an eventful debut. I can't say I've seen a more eventful debut uh, in in UFC history than you know a seven second knockout, <clears throat> which of course was probably f- five seconds, uh, you know, but uh, they go off the referee and then you know fucking catastrophic injury uh i mean i guess you know i guess johnny walker basically did the same thing except a little bit longer and uh you know well, i don't know that, that, that was crazy there by uh, mckinney uh we had a uh, unanimous decision victory from steven peterson on chase hooper uh chase hooper i went through this on the preview show i don't really want to rehash it he should be cut he needs to go to a developmental organization and come back in a couple of years he's not ready to fight in the ufc right now i think the ufc is doing him a disservice by having him uh in the ufc uh you cannot learn in the ufc ask uh page van zandt ask sage northcutt you cannot learn in the ufc you're either ready to win or you're or you're not and he's not ready to win so he, he needs to go to the LFA. He needs to go somewhere, anywhere but the UFC. And Steven Peterson, what a dick. What a dick. Misses weight by three pounds and then fucking fakes a, a glove touch and then goes for a strike. So what an absolute dick. I hope he gets knocked out uh, viciously in his next fight. I mean, what a dick. I mean, you're, you're fighting a child and you're pulling stuff like that and missing weight by three pounds. I'd probably just cut him anyway, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't think uh, you want somebody like that in your organization, and uh, I, I think people are, uh, I think a lot of people feel the same way uh, as I do on that. And then we had a, a win from Faris Siam over Luigi Vendramini. Good for him. Uh, and a split decision win for Carlos Felipe over Jake Collier. Uh, good, for, good for Carlos Felipe. He beat a uh, middleweight. So, middleweight who uh, does not like to diet down to. Uh, uh, even 205, so yeah, he he definitely should be uh, cut. So with that, uh, we'll wrap up the uh, recap here of UFC 263. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M I N, and be sure to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.